You are now listening to Halos in the Infield, the Angels baseball exclusive podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome into Halos in the Infield podcast with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host, Fernando. How's everybody doing this evening? We have a special guest, and who is on the other line? Braden Oltoff. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, no, we appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Yeah, we know you've been doing the rounds. We heard you on Rocks in the Outfield. We absolutely love them as well. They're a good show. If you guys don't already check them out, make sure to look out for them. You did a good job. Uh, was that pretty fun to go on with them? Yeah, yeah, that was definitely fun. And that was actually the first one I did. Uh, kind of wanted to get out to Arizona, kind of get set up in my routine. Just been really busy since the draft. But now it's definitely definitely got a lot of free time when I'm not, not at the field. So I'd be happy to do podcasts and talk to the fans. Oh, we appreciate yeah, no, we you appreciate accepting that. the uh, the offer. I mean, what's what's the schedule for you right now, Braden? So the only off day we have right now is Sunday, and she, basically, you know how the Angels drafted like twenty for twenty for pitchers. So <laughs> yeah. some of the some of the free agents that they had got like sent out within a few days of arri- arriving to Arizona to mm-hmm. either low A or high A or playing on the AZL team. But for the pitchers. Uh, they kind of brought us in and met with us and figured out where, where each of us is at right now, like with our throwing program, just because they pushed the draft back this year. So a lot of people took time off. Some people have been throwing the whole time. So some of the guys have already got sent out to high or low A or playing in the AZL. I'd say probably half have been sent out of the new draft picks and then half are still here. Um, I actually threw uh, live ABs today and that went really well. So I think I have another bullpen this weekend, then maybe like a live ABs next week, and then I should be either playing in games with the AZL team or going to, going out to high A or low A. So I'm excited for that, but it's just been kind of building up, getting familiar with the program, going over stuff about the Angels since I've been here, and then just meeting all the guys. But it's been a great process. Nice. Yeah, selfishly, I, I got to say, I kind of want you to go to San Bernardino. We got a lot of stuff brewing with the assistant general manager. We'll tell you about that stuff off air if you want to know. But okay. uh, selfishly, I think we uh, Todd and I would like to see you there. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd say, like, obviously, I'd want to go. I want to move up as fast as possible. That's always the goal, get to the big leagues. But if I did go to low A for a little bit, I mean, it's only – I'm from Oceanside, California, so it's only like an hour away from my hometown. So, Or maybe it's a couple hours, but I'm sure a lot of my friends and family would love to come up and see me play. I think you only got to pop on like the the 58, is it? You know, through Bonzal and all that? Yeah, exactly. So it's only about an hour and maybe 20 minutes. I'm from mm-hmm. San Diego, but uh, we're going to get to that later. Okay, <laughs> I got awesome. got some San Diego questions for you. Did there you get go. to meet our boy, Kai Bush? Yes, I did, actually. Uh, he was... He was my roommate. He just got sent out to uh, High A. I believe he's starting uh, tomorrow. T- tomorrow. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm super pumped for him. That's awesome. I was I was rooming with Sam, the first round pick, Kai, the second round, and then Luke uh, Murphy, the fourth round pick. So definitely a good group of guys. And yeah, Kai's awesome. So I'm excited to see how he does tomorrow. Yeah, we had him on the show. He was, I think, our first draftee interview, and I think Luke is going to be coming on soon. No luck yet with uh, with Bachman, but okay. who knows? He, he needs to get better on social media. There you go. Yeah, I, I like to keep up on social media. I feel like it's a, 
it's important also just for kind of the way that like almost not that the game is changing with social media or anything like that i just feel like it's more like relevant and a lot of people have an easier time following like social media stuff as opposed to maybe watching like the post game interview and stuff like that where social media is just easy easier more accessible absolutely now real quickly uh, a question i'm watching a show animal kingdom are you familiar with that Yes. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say I watch it, but I'm familiar with it for sure. Yeah. Cause that's a, like in your backyard. Cause my, uh, my wife is from Vista. So okay. she, she loves that Vista Oceanside area. And when we first started watching the show, she's like, Oh my God, that's Vista. Oh my God, that's Oceanside. Like they uh -huh. everything right there. So uh, that's I, awesome. Yeah. I had to ask you about that. Um, also, how did you, I mean, maybe I'm getting ahead of Fernando. He has some questions, but, um, I, I wanted to ask a SoCal guy like yourself, um, I could hear the accent already, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. you know, like surfer type voice. How did That's you wind funny. up in Tulane, man? Louisiana of all places. Yeah. So I actually, I went to Juco out of high school. I didn't have any offers and I actually didn't start pitching until my senior year of high school. So it was definitely kind of a late bloomer, but so I went to Juco for two years in mm -hmm. San Diego, a place called Palomar yeah, and yeah. that yeah. went really good. And then from there, after my uh, freshman year there, I started getting like some like offers and some interests. And then I played in the Southern California, like junior college, like all-star game or like maybe like the top, like one or two guys from each like uh, college in the Southern region of California playing a game. And I think there was probably like over 50 like scouts or like schools that were there. So Tulane happened to be there and they reached out to me. And then I was kind of talking to my head coach at Palomar about it too and he's like Louisiana is like a place that's like you I, he couldn't describe it to me he's like you just got to go on your visit and see if you like it or not and then kind of decide from there and I thought the visit was awesome and I'm super happy <laughs> there's the wi-fi leg experience there Oh, can, can you go right Did back to where? Yeah, we lost okay. you for a friend. second. Okay, where do you want me to pick back up at? Oh, where you uh, first found out about Louisiana. They were trying to convince you to go out there? Yeah, yeah so my coach was just kind of telling me how if I wanted to, like, experience it uh, for myself and really get a feel for it, I'd have to just go out and check it out. So when I went out there on my visit, I ended up loving it and was really happy that I ended up going there. The soul food, man. Did you like it? Yeah, the the food out there is great. Uh, I've definitely – some of the seafood and stuff that I'd yes. never had before. It was yes. definitely new for me, and I hadn't tried most of the stuff. But I used to be kind of pretty picky, but now I'll just kind of eat anything. And I definitely found that I like a lot of – some. I love crawfish. Yes. And also jambalaya is very good. Those now, are, did, now, Braden, did you do a crawfish gumbo? I did not, oh, and yeah. and I I haven't done a crawfish like fest or like one of the parties where I've seen like so many of those happen and I just haven't like made it to one. But everyone says like how good it is and it always looks like a good time. So I definitely need to do that. I think uh, my plan is in the off season is definitely to kind of go out there for at least a month, maybe longer, and train at Tulane. So hopefully I'll okay. still be able to do some of the stuff like that. Yeah, if you do, definitely indulge. It's amazing because I was down there for a little bit, and the only thing that's really healthy and not cooked in butter is Subway. 
and even that's a question mark, you know? But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that is true. Very accurate. Yeah. All right. So you went to EC, right? Yes, sir. For those of you guys who don't know, that's El Camino, but people from San Diego typically just call it EC. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, I know I have a lot of friends who went there. I worked at, like, Legoland for four years. So did okay. you have any friends who, like, worked at Legoland? Because that's, like, the summer tons, job up there. Tons. Okay. That really <laughs> – that really, you exactly. It's the summer job. That's very yeah. accurate. So people tell you about like how how ass cheeks it was, right? People were like, God, yeah. it's the worst. I hate most, it." <laughs> most people weren't fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was horrible. I did it for like four years. You know, I was like, it was one of those like dead end jobs for me for a little bit. So luckily uh-huh. for your friends, they probably just did it for the summer. So <laughs> yeah, it was just for the summer. But then it was like once they opened up the water park, I think some people would like lifeguard there and make like even more money and i think it was like it wasn't as bad so maybe a few of my friends got some of the not as bad experiences from it yeah i heard the water park was much better i i I remember like they were like oh you should try to be a lifeguard like the swim test was easy they just grab like a brick and throw it like in the waiting pool which is like you know feet deep and they're like you have to go get the drowning child So exactly. yeah, I know a lot of people who abandoned ship from rides, kind of rides and guest services, and then eventually left to go to SeaWorld. So okay. I, did, I did all kinds of stuff. Down I there. gotcha. But uh, that's pretty funny. I mean, I, small world, but that's just I the know, job right? up there. Definitely. All right. So a question I have, uh, the flow, how long have you been working on it? So I, the la- I, I'm pretty sure the last haircut I got was probably – not this past Thanksgiving, but the one before. Mm. I will say when I was home, when I was home over this, the right before the draft, I got a little trim. But I would say like it's probably back to like my length during the season now. So no one can really even tell. I just needed to kind of thin it out a little bit. But I had never really had long hair. It always been my brother with the long hair. But then I decided to during quarantine, I just decided I wasn't going to cut it. And then I feel like once you kind of get it to like a certain amount of length, you just kind of just let it keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. So on draft day, you weren't, uh, were you like sort of crossing your fingers that uh, you weren't going to get drafted by the Yankees? Cause then. Oh, you that, stole that, my question. <laughs> you stole that, that definitely came to my mind. And I think some people definitely would have been disappointed if I had to cut the flow or mess with the beard. So I definitely thought about that ahead of time, which is funny that you bring that up. But yeah. like you might have been a martyr. Maybe people would have been like, "Dude, like you, you see what you did? Yeah. You see what you his his hair? You would have been like the hottest meme. It would have been like a before <laughs> photo where you're like smiling in Tulane, then like an after where you're like mugshot in a Yankees." Jersey. You can you can find some pictures if you look at my roster picture from my first year at Tulane to my second year at Tulane. It's actually crazy. The bit like. I am two completely different people. And one, I have no facial hair and <laughs> oh, short sure. hair. And the the other, I have a beard and long hair. You got you got to pull it up. How are, how are oh, you? Yeah, I'm on the website, so. How were you received on Tulane with that hair and that SoCal accent? Were, were, were you like, a, oh, man, this is a West Coast guy? Yeah, I mean, and then it was also kind of like I rode my long board. There it is right <laughs> yeah, there. there that, is. That's crazy. What a difference. Right? And then I also... 
I'd ride my longboard around school. I'd wear my my swim trunks, my board shorts around school. So I'm really, I just really went for the whole just SoCal vibe, just in New Orleans. And I think it's funny because how you even said it, like when people say, "Oh, you have like a California accent or something," like I didn't even know that was really a thing. Like I can I can tell other people's accents, but I just feel like. I never really had an accent, but I guess when it's people from other places, they definitely pick up on it right away. Like I feel like I still got like a sore thumb in Louisiana. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I can see that from a mile away because over there, I mean, you have a regular accent, but then New Orleans has that like mumble talk, and then they also have yes. a real slow country feel. Like I don't feel like we should go to the store today. And then you have... Ooh, you just got canceled. You hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Todd's canceled. <laughs> but then you got guys up there, they're, they're like freaking mumbling, you know I mean? You can't understand yeah. it. Like, like, like the like, LSU head football coach. Yes, Ed, yes. Uh, his, is, his is bad. His I don't know what bad. the hell he's saying half the time. Exactly. Yeah. Feel the same uh, way. <laughs> So I got to know. So if, if they were to make a movie about your life in a couple of years, who would you cast to be yourself? Uh, see, I feel like I'd want to do somebody funny, but I feel like with the flow, I'd, I think I'd go Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> there you go. You'd have, to, you'd have to bring out your inner douchiness and drive a real expensive car and talk to yourself. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> I think there's a... I want to say there's a it's an old movie. Someone says that they were uh, they remind me of like sun is it sunshine or I'm trying to think of the movie. It's like oh, some like remember the Titans. You, yes. Is it that? Yeah, it's like a backup yeah. quarterback and he has like long hair and everything. Blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got. But see, that's like the go-to for tans. anybody with long blonde hair. Yeah. Like that, like, exactly. Oh, that's sunshine, true. You know. That's true. You know, work for Trevor Lawrence though, because like that's like spot on. Yeah. It's okay. Good. I like Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> he's got flow. There you go. Yeah, he does. He does. He's a flow brother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's a flow bro. <laughs> All right. So you were a Padres fan growing up, right? I heard from your other interview. Yes, uh, I'd say kind okay. of the whole family has just been pretty uh, diehard Padres. Even my brother has. My brother actually has – I think this is pretty, like, extreme, but they, they turned out good. He has Tony Gwynn and Fernando Tatis Jr. or tat tattooed on his body. Wow. Okay. I don't know about the Tatis one. I think it's a little early. Tatis is, you know, a yep. beast, but, I mean, so, like, we're a little early on. Like, when yeah, I get what, what he did is he decided when Tatis signed, the like, the 13-year contract to be, like yeah, – yeah, yeah. The lifetime a contract. Pod, a lifetime contract, yeah. Then he's like, okay, I think it's safe to, <laughs> to get the tattoo added. So I said, like, okay. He's like, this is going to work okay. for at least 13 years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to throw out a couple of Padres, and you let me know if you, A, remember the Padre, and B, let me know, like, like oh, I love that guy, or like, oh, I remember this. Okay? Okay, yes. Yes. All right. So the, the first one I know, Jake Peavy, that, that was the dog in San Diego. Oh, yeah, that that was definitely probably my favorite pitcher growing up. Uh, just the way he, how competitive he is on the mound. And then he went on and won that, the World Series with the Giants, I believe. So that was fun to watch. He's also on the Red and Sox. And the Red Sox, but yep. Yeah, he was just – he's a dog, just the way he competes. But huge PV fan. I definitely had a jersey of him back in the day. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, no, Jake P. I, I, I lived in San Diego for 20 years. So I was an Angels fan growing up, but like my dad and all my friends are Padres fans. So I grew up okay. going to a lot of Padres games. So, I gotcha. I, I'm a couple years older than you, but like I think you and I grew up through almost the same generation. So we saw a lot yeah. of very, very bad Padres games. Like I remember like Chase oh Headley was like the, the only guy. <laughs> yeah, like when you got to cheer for the like Solarte, bless his heart. But, uh, when that's your best player. He, right when he left. I was a, I was a big fan of like a seven hole hitter. But like on the Padres, he was like a two or three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was moved up in the lineup for sure. Um, did your family ever uh, – did you go to a lot of games at the Murph? I don't think I went to any games at the Murph. I know my parents uh, played the World Series when the Padres played the Yankees, so that was pretty cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, my um, my grandpa, when he was alive, he was down there, and uh, he passed away, like, I think right before the World Series because he was a lifelong Angels fan, but – when he moved to Escondido, he kind of rooted for the Padres too. So in '98, we were kind of like rooting for them big time to win. We were like, "Man, do it for Grandpa!" But uh, but yeah, they, they, that was a mean. That was probably the best Padre team I've ever seen compared to like this one now. I mean, Definitely that stacked. Yeah, that's awesome too. I feel like that's one thing. It's like I've never had any problems the angels were like i can really like hate the dodgers but mm -hmm. I, I had some friends growing up who were angels kind of enjoyed the game absolutely all right so a couple other padres uh this one i don't you you might know khalil green oh yeah i i was thinking if you're gonna bring him up i was khalil green was pretty sweet padre uh I heard the reason he had to retire was just he couldn't really deal with the media and he just didn't like doing all that. So that's super yeah. unfortunate. And that, that just kind of is a sad way to like to go out of your baseball career. But I feel like he was kind of like one of our better players always and pretty cool shortstop. So I was a big fan. Yeah, he was a beast. But like you said, he just had, uh, you know, a lot of uh... – of issues dealing with the media and you know it's not it's not easy at all but like you know good thing he was in san diego if he was mm -hmm. in a place like new york or philadelphia it would have been so much harder That's and we would have got a lot true. less out of it. i didn't think but about man that. If, yeah if he could have dealt with the media though like his career would have been great he was mm -hmm. one of the best defensive players i've seen in my life yeah definitely all right so two more heath bell heath bell okay so a funny story with him is so my parents used to have a side like petting zoo and pony ride business and <laughs> they would yeah we my mom likes having a bunch of animals and stuff but we actually uh ended up doing like the padres like player and kids day like multiple times so we'd go on to the warning track and give like the Padres players' kids, like pony rides and stuff for their family day. And I remember meeting Keith Bell. He's definitely a cool Padre. I remember, I specifically remember him when he sprinted in from the bullpen in the All Star game and did slid and on slid the mound. In. That was pretty <laughs> that funny. Was but 2011, I think. That was in uh, Chase Field. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, Heath Bell's great Padre as well. Yeah, he used to. I, I so I used to be uh, so after SeaWorld, after training there, I worked at a Petco in Poway, and he used to come in and buy dog food all the time. So I okay. talked to him like three or four times. I I didn't get too close with him, but I got super close with um, Xavier Nady, 
and Mark Sweeney. Hey. Actually, I was just texting Mark Sweeney earlier. So That's I never awesome. thought in my life that I'd just be casually talking to guys I admired as a kid. <laughs> right. I, it's awesome. <laughs> Xavier Nady was the go-to pinch hitter. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yep. Yep. But so was Mark Sweeney. Like the guy, yeah. both those guys made careers out of like being elite pinch hitters. Yeah. All right, last one. I don't think, I think I'm going to stump you on this one. Akaneri Otska. I, I know the name, but that's a little bit of a stump. Yeah. Okay. That was like 2005, 2006. He was the that's setup man for Trevor Hoffman. He was from Japan. Yes. And he used to come out to get, uh, Hell's Bells also. And then oh, he went to okay. Texas and came out to Hell's Bells. I remember him being like a reliever in the setup man now, but I did not know that he came out to Hell's Bells. That's pretty funny. Yeah, he did it in a commercial, and I guess he really liked it. So, yeah. Okay. What Those are be, just a couple of good guys. What would be your walk-up, Brayden? So, I had a few walk-ups. I kind of like to do, like, more, like, rap or EDM, but I guess, like, something – I feel like one thing that's important for the walkout song, especially if you're a closer, I guess, is, like, you got to get something that gets the fans going. So – Maybe like a rock one that I thought of, thought of was maybe like Savior by Rise Against. I think that's a pretty good would be okay. a pretty good walkout song. Yeah, yeah. You definitely need to uh you can't come up with something symphony uh coming out as a closer. You need to bring the uh intimidation factor up. Exactly. Exactly. I mean Hansel Robles for like two years came out to the Undertaker song and that was pretty epic. And he, mm -hmm. had, a, he had the white horse of death uh, in the background yep. too. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Hell's Bells was awesome, and then I also I remember when the Padres traded for Craig Kimbrell. He did Welcome to the Jungle, and Craig Kimbrell is just like an electric closer. So I loved watching when he would come in as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2015. I did. I I I had hopes for that Padres team, and they mm -hmm. just absolute crap. It was horrible. They, just, they went out and got. I remember I was in like science class or something, and like. My my phone was just buzzing on the trade deadline. Like how many we got so many guys that day, and I was just like, "Oh, the Padres are going to be good." And then of course they weren't. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we're we're just kind of used to that. Like in SoCal, though, like you know, growing exactly. up, it was always like, "Oh my God, we made this move!" Like same with the Angels, same with the Padres, and you know, the only move I can really remember panning out for the Padres was uh, the signing of Mike Piazza. Yeah, that was good. To, <laughs> that, that that panned out. <laughs> Okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, man. No, no, I was gonna take it to Tulane. So, oh, I was just gonna say, like, so, so growing up, you're a big Padres fan. Uh, you had aspirations for pitching for the Padres. Um, what would have been your ideal? You know, would you rather have been a reliever for the Padres, like coming out as a closer or like a starting pitcher? Did you picture yourself like in one of those positions, or you just wanted to make it to the bigs? I'd say, uh, well. Back then, like as a kid and then growing up until I guess maybe this point, it's always been like, I just want to get to the big leagues. But now I'd say I definitely want to be a starter in the big leagues. I'd say that's what I prefer. But I also I think it's very important that the fastest way that I could get to the big leagues is what I want to do. Like if I need to be a reliever, if that's the role they see me in, then I'll do that. I think that's I think that's just what it comes down to. Any way you can get to the big leagues. I, I think so too, because I mean, look, I mean, if you're shining with uh, what's your fastball right now? Your the the highest you could throw right now. So I topped at 94 when I was in junior college, mm -hmm. but I'd say I sit more like 89 to 92. Uh, 
And then I just, I use all my off speed and stuff like that. I'm a big, like, just kind of make it a really uncomfortable at bat, pound the strike zone, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you got location and movement. I mean, you really don't mm-hmm. need a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. So mm-hmm. so that's pretty good. So if you were to make it, you could be like a Chris Rodriguez. You know, like Chris Rodriguez came up here, flashy reliever, but then right away they saw the potential of, hey, this guy could start, and look at what they've done. Mm-hmm. They stretched him out, and now he's starting. So Yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. So, yeah, I think – especially when you come up maybe like late in a season, like Mm. if you're, especially when it's on a winning club, like their whole starting rotation might already be solidified, but Mm. they might need like someone to start or or someone to come out of the bullpen in the playoffs just because you're one of the best arms on that team. So it's just kind of whatever role I need to start in or whatever I need to do. That's obviously what I want to do. That's a good mindset. Absolutely. Those are the kind of character guys that the organization really needs. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure the fans are going to appreciate to hear that. All right, so you said so you went to EC. You were a two-way player there, you told us. And then yes. after that, you went to Palomar College for two years. And then you finally went to Tulane. So let's talk a little bit about 2020. So mm-hmm. you went 4-0 and on this season with a, three, uh, with a .32 ERA. You had one complete game shutout and a combined shutout on top of a ton of awards i can go through the list but literally we'd be here for like five minutes (laughs) you know so what do all of those accolades mean to you in a year that you know was so uncertain in a year that was cut off short by covid what does all that mean to you yeah i mean i think it's really unfortunate how that year turned out obviously there's nothing we could do about it but just from a team standpoint we're 15 and 2 um I think we were rolling. We had a lot of veterans on that team, good pitching, good hitting. I think it was kind of the full package. So it just kind of sucks to not be able to see how that season would have finished out and what we would have been able to do. But I definitely say that season built up a ton of confidence in me. Uh, In the beginning of the year, I'd say like my first game, like I've always been like a confident pitcher, but I think after that first season at Tulane, even though it was only four starts and, like a, in a, in such a short amount of time, I think I just kind of got a new mound presence, had a new confidence on the mound and just stuff like that. So knowing, like just kind of knowing that I can pitch that to that elite level and do it consistently kind of just gave me the confidence going into this past season that I can be this guy no matter who the team is. Like I want to go against the best team. I want to be the Friday night guy, go up against the other team's best starter. So I think all that was just really important, especially because that was the first time I was at a Division One too. So going from a JUCO to Division One is definitely a big leap. So, absolutely. Um, so, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say when when you were at Tulane, did you get any um, any flack from LSU? Because I know LSU likes to crap on Tulane a lot. Oh, like LSU fans like coming after me? Yeah, yeah. So. Unfortunately, both the the years that we were there, we didn't get to play them. We always are scheduled to play them at least once, sometimes mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. And in the COVID year, we just didn't get to that point in the season. And then this past year, we were supposed to play them, and there was just like a crazy thunderstorm that day. Oh, okay. And since with COVID and everything, they weren't really like going back and making up games this year. So – they kind of just skipped it, so that was just super unfortunate because I think, like, that's one game where, like, of course, there's a lot of fans that come out for Tulane, but that's, like, one game where, like, 
it's like sold out. Like Mm -hmm. there's tons of fans from both sides, both schools. And I think that's just kind of like, that's like, of course we have our conference rivals, but just kind of for the state of Louisiana, like that's a huge game and that's like a rival game for us. So sucks that I wasn't able to be a part of that, but. Yeah, I was looking forward to seeing uh, highlights of that, and I found out you guys didn't play him because uh, I know uh, when I was over there too, like anytime, even if it's college football and LSU is like a monster compared to Tulane, but the baseball mm-hmm. teams aren't that far off. Exactly. So, so it's like a natural, like you said, an in-state rivalry, bragging rights, and I know both of the social medias go back and forth at each other. So I was, mm-hmm. I, was I was hoping I'd see some highlights of you dominating them, but uh, no, it didn't happen. So, but yeah, man, you know, it is what it is. Tulane, I get, I gotta give a big shout out to Tulane social media too. Definitely wouldn't be where I am without them. They they do a fantastic <laughs> job of putting stuff together, finding the random stats, just like getting their players recognized. And I think that goes like a long way in their recruiting too. Just because kids like like I was explaining earlier about social media, like kids like like or just a lot of people use social media. So the fact that Tulane recognizes its players and does such a good job at that is really important. Well, you going viral probably has gotten them some recruits. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the John Boy video. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was pretty awesome. And uh gotta give a shout out to John Boy too for putting together that clip and it was definitely very entertaining and funny to watch. So Absolutely. Did you get to talk to him at all or have you gone to talk to him at all? Um Did so ask the permission. The day- <laughs> the, he didn't he didn't ask for permission but i definitely would have granted it but my uh my buddy actually sent him the clips and was like you should do a breakdown of this so gotta give a <laughs> shout out to my friend aaron for doing that but he and the day that it happened he kind of he messaged me on twitter and said like hope you're getting a lot more love than you are hate because of course there's going to be the people who are trying to say i'm cheating or doing other yeah. stuff which just yeah. isn't true but i'm I, I know how to just kind of ignore that. Or if I want to say something back, I can be professional about it. Cause just, you're always going to have people on social media just coming at you for things that are totally out of your control. So you just got to block that out. But I thought it was yeah. pretty cool. And then he still follows me today on Twitter and Instagram. And like when I uh, got drafted by the angels, he posted uh, my clip saying the angels are getting some nasty stuff. And then he commented <laughs> on my, instagram post as well congratulating me so hopefully i'll okay. uh, give him a cool breakdown again in the future of some sort that's awesome man and, and keep that hopefully. mindset don't be a kevin durant and go back at every person because <laughs> yeah. that that dude seems to respond to anybody and everybody and there's athletes right. that are like that that's just that's going to take you away from your game man you got to go out there mm-hmm. you got to dominate do your thing man definitely yeah, social media is fun, but it can also be a situation where I'm sitting up at two in the morning having an argument with somebody I've never met. Right. So. <laughs> Any anybody will say anything through a through a phone screen when it's not in person. Oh yeah, yep. You exactly. Be a keyboard warrior. Now it's the phone warrior. Keyboard warrior. Yeah. <laughs> I love that phrase. I love it. Yeah. All right. So uh, 2021, uh, which was obviously this year, you earned second team All American honors. You led the team with six wins. You had 91 strikeouts and 78.2 innings. Both of those stats were second on the team. Um, so in 20 years, when I asked future Braden about his senior year, or well, not his senior year, your, your final year of college, uh-huh. what are you going to remember the most? I mean, I'll definitely remember all the, the new players. We kind of got – we had like half a new team coming in. Uh, 
I'll definitely remember the Mississippi State game. That was probably one of the coolest experiences I've had, just kind of pitching in front of – there. even though it was only 50% at the time, capacity, it was still like 5,000 fans. And, I I mean, that made, that weekend alone made me like – of course, I'm happy I went to Tulane. I, I love that experience. But I was just like, SEC baseball is different. Just kind of mm-hmm. the fans and how invested yeah. they are. Like, I love that. And I just thought it was like a really cool experience. And then – uh, the conference tournament was definitely really cool. Uh, it was down in Clearwater, Florida. So I got to be on the beach for a few days, play at the Phillies minor league complex. And then just kind of like all the different places that I got to travel to like during conference as well, just because my first year was so short that we did one uh, trip out to Cal State Fullerton, which was awesome to kind of play in front of my home, fa- like home family and friends. But we didn't really do too much traveling at all because we had a lot of our home games early in the season. So I think college baseball is something that's just like, it's so unique and different than like major league baseball. So I think it's important to enjoy those memories and enjoy that time with uh, your friends and kind of just like doing it for your like alumni and stuff. Soak it up while you're there. That's for sure. Definitely. And by the way, real quick, uh, being down there in the Mid-South for a couple of years, I was blown away how basically the four major sports, professional sports, were downplayed to college. I couldn't mm-hmm. – I, I was not used to that coming from California, going over there living, and, like, the local news was all about college this, college that, college this, college that. Oh, yeah, and then uh, MLB did this. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was definitely something that attracted me to go play baseball in the South. I kind of knew just kind of – how invested the fans are so yep Yep. that's cool all right uh so take me to draft day so ninth round 261st pick was draft day what you had in mind was it everything you dreamt of or you know being honest was it a little uneventful you know you just get a call and that's it yeah i'd say it was more it was a really like kind of just like stressful situation you're there with your family and i had gone through it out of juco i had gone through it the previous year during the covid year so i kind of knew uh i had some expectations going in and i kind of knew uh how the process worked you just don't really want to get too high or too low because it's just crazy like the draft can completely go one way and you think you're about to get picked and then you don't so it's, i think it was just important to uh, not get too high or too low, but I'd definitely say kind of the longer you wait, the more stressful it gets. So by the time that I did get the call from the angels, it was definitely like full of happiness, kind of <laughs> almost relief in a way, just cause you know, like you can, you can always wait for day three or like the, th- that's the other crazy thing about the draft is kind of the first 10 rounds, there's a certain slot for each pick. And then the next 10 rounds, there's not really a slot. So like, there's always a chance you can wait or you could pass up one team for the other. So I think that's one thing. The baseball draft is really unique, but in the end, everything worked out. I'm super happy to be an angel and I think it's a great fit. So super happy at the end of the day. What does your family think to keep you in state? Oh, they love it. My, (laughs) my mom was so happy. My whole family was super happy and they're happy. It wasn't the Dodgers. So, and then the the (laughs) second, the second closest team uh to us too and i uh so i'm super pumped i've always i had i also have a lot of friends who were angel fans so i was kind of talking to them before the draft telling them i actually met with the angels at the draft combine uh before so 
I had some been talking to them previously, so I was super pumped. Just kind of that was that was another cool thing. It's like whatever team you get drafted to, like you're gonna know somebody that's like a fan of them. So you have like an instant fan already. So absolutely, that's awesome. Yep. But it's awesome. I mean, too. I mean, your family doesn't even have to drive up. They could just freaking take the train and get right exactly to the stadium and see you. You know, right? So that's a bonus. They're also kind of in the middle of like the Padres and the Angels. I mean, either way, it's like an hour drive. So mm-hmm. exactly, yeah, because Oceanside is the very uh, the northest part of San Diego. Pretty much. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so, if you can go back in time to the Little League version of yourself. What words of encouragement would you have given yourself maybe at a time where you thought like this wasn't worth it or, you know, I don't want to play baseball anymore. What would you have told yourself back then? I'll just say uh, if you, if you love the game and you enjoy the game, then just kind of play it as long as you possibly can. Uh, I think baseball comes to an end for everybody at different points in their life. But for me personally, my senior year, I had no offers uh, always, dreamed of playing professional baseball, even division one baseball. And I had no offers. I almost ended up going, I got, I was a very, always a good student. So I got accepted into UC Santa Barbara and I was almost just going to go there just for school, possibly try to walk on. But uh, I knew I had a chance with pitching, even though I was kind of like a late development and I loved the game and loved baseball and couldn't really see myself doing anything else. So I ended up going junior college, which, when you're in high school, that just sounds like, or to me at the time, it was like, I want to go to a big school. I want to meet a lot of people, experience college football, college basketball, stuff like that. And JUCO wasn't that at all. But what it was, was it was yeah. a stepping stone and I got to develop there. And then I ended up getting to go to a great school and then I ended up getting drafted out of there. So I'd just say, you know, if you love the game, keep your options open and you're, it's never really too late. Obviously, I'd say, the ba- baseball always comes to an end. I think you got to be smart. Eventually, maybe an uh, important job or something can lead you to another direction. But I'd say play it as long as you can. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, junior college is a blessing or a curse, right? Like, there's really mm-hmm. no in-between. Like, there's people who go there, and they use it truly to propel themselves or excel in whatever they want. And then there's the other version. There's people who go to junior college, and you know what? My dreams are dead. It's over, and they drop out. You know, mm-hmm. there's really no in-between in junior college. So, you know, I'm glad for you it worked out in your favor. Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, two more questions I have. So, one, uh, if you had to pick a pitcher uh, who you modeled, you know, maybe your delivery or your mentality after, who would it be? Okay, yeah. So, I have two. I'd say Max Scherzer's, like, mentality and competitiveness on the mound. I kind of feel like – when I'm on the mound, like, I don't really care who's in the box or which team we're facing. Like, I just have a competitive edge to me, and I kind of just have that, like, at anything I do at life. I'm just a very competitive person. So baseball and pitching is definitely the best place to use that. And then from, a, like, a control side and kind of person I look up to is Kyle Hendricks just because he kind of doesn't throw the hardest compared to – a lot of the MLB guys now, the game's changing to like a lot more velo, velo, velo. Uh, but he's a guy who can control the zone, throw multiple pitches, and get outs. And at the end of the day, getting outs is the most important thing. So I think that I do this, do something similar. So that's why I look up to him and those two. Is it Max Scherzer and Kyle Hendricks? You basically just like described Jake Peavy. 
You know, <laughs> there Nick you go. Nick wasn't the yeah. hardest thrower, but he had that dog mentality. I remember he'd like yell in his glove. Yeah, exactly. So, so if you uh, hear Brady yelling in his glove, he's not crazy. At least not for that. <laughs> so, that's just how he gets himself going. I will. Yeah. See, have you ever done what that? I, uh, not really. So the way I kind of like, I'm super like competitive of like going after the batter and being like that. But I also kind of like to just be like chill on the mound. Like I kind of like to talk to my teammates and just just have fun out there. Like I'm pretty relaxed and uh, mellow. It's 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 like a little bit of both where like some people when they come in the dugout, like nobody can talk to them and they have to sit there and stuff where like, I'm Jared trying to Weaver. talk to people. Yeah. I'm trying to talk to people, have conversations. Like uh, I'm, I'm just having fun in the dugout when, when I'm not out there on the mound. So pretty, pretty right. uh, easy going. There, so there you go. You can bother Braden in the bullpen when he's warming up for a game. It's cool. He, it's he, he's good. cool. <laughs> okay. So last question I have, I don't know if Todd has any, but um, last question I have. So the minor leagues is an absolute grind. The long hours, the long trips, sometimes the, the lack of nutrition, you know, lack of housing, hotels, mm -hmm. motels, all that stuff. So why is Braden going to make it out on the other side? Let the fans know why it's going to be different for you. Yeah, uh, I think me as myself, I've never really – needed someone to kind of tell me to I need to go to the field or I need to get my work done I think it I think when you're in the minor leagues there is somebody who is going to do those things for you and going to hold you accountable but I think there's also a whole like four or five months depending on who the player is where you're completely training on your own and I think that's when I can really the most advantage when I was in quarantine I thought maybe I would go out and do do my stuff so I think I just have that mentality to go out and grind I don't need anyone to tell me to do it so I think my, my work ethic is just gonna pay what I'm going to I think everything else shouldn't be a problem I, and I also think just enjoy it and I think you can always kind of find like even if I'm in the middle of nowhere like you can you always have your teammates you have other people you always have friends back home so I think I just kind of try to make the most of the situations to make sure I stay happy even when maybe on if I'm in the middle of nowhere not the best sleeping situation not the best food you just gotta think the end goal is professional baseball so if I make it through that then I can make it through anything well definitely yeah. oh go ahead no I was just saying yeah literally I was I was gonna say because uh, that's if it's not uh, their intention, it's gonna make you mentally tough. If if you're able to bypass all that, uh, realize your goals, and just continue to shoot for the majors and be like, hey, this is part of the process, then yeah, I mean you're gonna make it, and that's what we're looking for. You know, obviously, you being a good draft pick by the Angels, and you know, high up there with with all the other pitchers that they got now competing for those spots. And um, my question to you, though, my last question is. Um, or, or actually my request to you is through your minor league career as you now start it and your work towards the majors and when you eventually do get to the majors, I want you to show some goddamn emotion, man. Like, 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 <laughs> like that's what we need from our pitching staff. This is what we've hungered it for as fans. And we love when the pitchers come up here. We have very few 
that actually show emotion. And we know with your background you have in the past, but we mm -hmm. love for you to bring that flavor up here, bro. That's all I'm saying. Bring it up. Definitely here. will. Definitely <laughs> will. I I think the angels kind of told me that too. Um, when I met with them, they loved like the emotions that I show on the mound. And that's honestly me just having fun and me being competitive. Uh, it's kind of like if I might like talk some crap to the other team during the game, like depending it. on what's going on. But yes. when they, it's funny because like when the game's over, I'll go be good friends with that person <laughs> that I was just talking crap to. But during there the game, go. that's different. I gotta, I gotta carry those emotions and help those help them drive me. Yeah, I mean, because that's that's our biggest thing too as fans. I mean, um, like one thing that was different, real quick, um, was Perry Manassian. Um, he when he gave his initial. Uh, before the draft what he wanted to do he made like a short video and then one after and he mm -hmm. said we, we were looking for players that fit what we're doing and we haven't heard that from a general manager for a very long time that's been with the angels so when yep. he came out and said we have an, a, a particular player we're looking for obviously the talent is number one but we want character we want this we mm -hmm. want that to fit our mold and judging by what they told you and what you told them I mean, those are the type of pitchers they are drafting, and you're one of them in a prime example. So that, that's why I think Angel fans are hyped because mm -hmm. they're, not, they're not just getting some boring guy that's going to come out there and be like, <laughs> okay, you know, like I got to throw a fastball. And he's not pissed off when he gives up a home run. He's not pissed. You know, he's not excited when he gets a big strikeout. I think mm -hmm. it, it, it when you're in the stands, I know as a fan, when you were there probably watching Padre games, it's different when a pitcher walks off the mound screaming or pumping his fist. I mean, you get into it. You, you know? It gets the fans going. I, I feel like maybe this is me just being biased, but I feel like my teammates at Tulane would back me up with on this as well. But I feel like when I went out there and pitched on Fridays, like I feel like there was just kind of like a different energy and a different vibe in the dugout. Like they knew I was going to bring it. And so when they bring it, that just kind of gets me going as well. So well, yeah, they we kind of feed off each other. Absolutely, because you're pumped up. You're putting your effort out there. You're 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 uh, taking names out there, and they want to score runs for you. That's what it does. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Know? So yeah, Perfect. I'm sorry. I, I just got hyped up talking about that, man. Let's so, go. I want to see you on the freaking mound already. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully, we'll get to see him soon. I mean, you know, whatever level that is, we'll be we we'll be cheering for sure out of this end. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. Definitely. I appreciate it, guys. Well, all right. Well. Well, that's, that's going to do it out of us. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know we wanted to close it. But, um, yeah, this is Halos in the Infield Podcast. Once again, thank you so much, Braden, for coming on and uh, spending time with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I had a great time. And if you want to plug your social media at all, go for it now. If you want. Yeah, uh, at Braden Oltoff. Um, yeah, I think if you type that in, that will pop up on Twitter or Instagram. So. All right, cool. Um, anything else, uh, Fernando? No. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for the interview and continued success. And uh, hopefully down the road when you get promoted uh, here or there, if you if you don't mind giving us a few more minutes just to catch up with you, that'd be great. Definitely. Yeah, I'd love to come back on. All right. Appreciate it, Braden. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. See ya. You too.